The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today, we begin looking at the blowing of the sixth trumpet as described in Revelation chapter 9. You may recall that when the first four trumpets were blown, they were followed by natural disasters on the earth. After the blowing of the fifth trumpet, we began to see how God deals with the wicked on the earth. You may remember that the first woe following the fifth trumpet demonstrated how wicked influences torment wicked men. The blowing of the sixth trumpet continues this same theme, illustrating once again how God deals with the wicked here on earth. Join us today as we begin looking at the blowing of this sixth trumpet in Revelation chapter 9. First, we have a song selection that we hope you enjoy. After that, please stay tuned for the message. from 
I want to continue tonight in the book of Revelation. And we're going to be looking at the second part of chapter 9. Now we're really not going to review what we've covered previously other than just to take into account uh, the fact that uh, seven seals have been opened and after that seventh seal is open there is then uh, seven angels with trumpets that are to be blown. Now chapter six and seven is where we read about these first six of seven seals. And again, without reviewing that, as each one of these seals is open of this book in the hand of Jesus, it displays how he is sovereign and how he dispenses judgment according to his will. And then at the beginning of chapter 8, the seventh seal is open. And under that seal, we begin reading about these uh, seven trumpets. And this is found in chapters 8 and chapter 9. And these trumpets are also uh, an indication and a figurative description of judgment. And if you would like to know more about that, Brother Chris is uh, posting uh, these sermons on the internet. So I would encourage you to, to go back and listen to that if you want to learn some more about it. Now tonight we're looking at the sixth trumpet which is addressed in the second half of chapter 9. And then interestingly, the seventh trumpet is not blown until about the middle of chapter 11. So after, after the sixth trumpet is blown and we read about what follows, then you have all of chapter 10 and half of chapter 11 before the seventh trumpet is blown. So I'm just trying to get you acclimated as to where we're at. So as we begin reading in Revelation chapter 9, verse 12, it says, One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. Now, as we read about that fifth angel sounding the trumpet, that was what is referred to as the first woe. You may remember that those uh, first four trumpets were followed with a description of natural disasters. But when this fifth trumpet is blown, which is referred to as the first woe, you begin to read about how the Lord deals with the wicked. And in 
particular in this first part of chapter 9, a lot of language is used to help you develop a picture in your mind of how the forces of hell, and you remember we talked about how the kingdom of Satan and his influences are just as real as the kingdom of God. It's an invisible realm, but the influence of that realm works through wicked people. In the same way, hopefully, we are striving for God's will to influence our life in this world. But these, this first woe following the uh, fifth trumpet talks about these creatures being released and how they torment men. They didn't kill them, they tormented them. Now, in Revelation, as we've said before, you have to keep in mind when it refers to like, uh, all men or men in the earth, it's generally talking about the wicked, not God punishing his people. It's generally talking about the wicked. So these wicked influences <coughs> tormented men. And you remember we considered the question, why would satanic influences be released to torment evil men. And you remember we used the example of World War II when Hitler entered into an agreement with Stalin, a non-aggression agreement, I believe it was for 10 years, and then after two years when it was no longer advantageous for Hitler to continue in that non-aggression agreement, he then attacked Stalin. So you see, sometimes evil uh, devours themselves. So that's the idea there. Now here we'll begin reading in chapter 9, uh, verse 12. One woe is past, the one we just described, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. And the sixth angel sounded... And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now first of all, when he talks about this sixth angel sounding, and he heard a great voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. We'll not turn back to that, but you remember earlier in the book of Revelation that this golden altar was described in uh, figurative language as the place in heaven from whence the prayers of God's people ascended up to God. And those prayers were represented by incense. You know, as in the Old Testament, incense would uh, accompany... Uh, different aspects of their worship. And so here we're returning to that golden altar which uh, often typifies the prayers of God's saints going to God in heaven. So the six angels sounded and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, 
Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now, to avoid confusion, these angels that he's releasing, as we'll find out, are not good godly angels. These are not angels from heaven. You remember in when that fifth angel sounded, uh, there was wicked forces released from the bottomless pit. Now we have the same scenario here, the same uh, type of activity is going on, though he uses different language. He says uh, in verse 14 to this sixth angel, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now this river Euphrates, uh, literally speaking, was a border shared between the people of God and Babylon. So you can look at it in that way. You can also consider that uh, in that day, uh, rivers were the primary means of commerce. You know, they didn't have uh, trains. They didn't have planes. They didn't have 18-wheelers. It was, you know, oftentimes cities were either built on ports uh, adjacent to the sea or there was a river that flowed through the city because that's the way they received all kinds of goods and how they, they were involved in importing from other areas and they themselves would export to other cities. So when you think about this great river Euphrates in a spiritual sense, that's what's under consideration here, and especially when he says in verse 14 that these Four angels which are, bound, which are bound in the great river Euphrates are loosed. Uh, this is indicating in the same way that we looked at in the first part of chapter 9, uh, a release of wicked forces. Now, one of the things that has helped me in trying to preach on the book of Revelation to deliver me from fear from when I approach something that I don't understand is I have access to three men whom I consider among our most capable preachers. Uh, one wrote a book on the book of Revelation and two of them uh, did a series on Revelation. But I noticed in the second half of this chapter that we're now approaching, they didn't say much about it. And I suppose that's because they may have the same problem I have, is understanding what it means. And I, so I'm not going to be going through this part of the chapter verse by verse and word by word, and I don't think that's really the way to preach it anyway. I'm just trying to draw general ideas that I can glean. But just keep this in mind, in the same way that those evil uh, creatures, those evil influences released from the bottomless pit tormented men, here we have, a again, just a picture description uh, described as four angels being released from the great river Euphrates, and they're also going to uh, attack wicked men, but they're not going to torment them. They're going to kill them. 
But you see, it's sort of the same concept of how God, who is sovereign, will even sometimes suffer the wicked to kill the wicked that are afflicting God's people. So notice what he says now. Verse 15. And the four angels which were loose, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year, for to slay the third part of men. Now, there's what I was talking about earlier. The men here are not God's people. These are the ungodly. And it says these angels were loosed uh, to slay, that means to kill, the third part of men. Now what we have to keep reminding ourselves of here is while there may be some things here that, we can, that are literal, for the most part I don't think there are. I don't think this is saying that exactly one-third of the wicked population in a particular time would be killed. He's, he's, he's given us the idea that it's a big portion, but it's not a majority. I believe that's the, the, the most precise way we should look at it. A big portion, but not the majority of the wicked. And he says... Uh, that they were to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000. Now, I forgot if that's 20 million or 200 million, and I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm too tired. You can tell me after church. You probably already figured it out. But that doesn't mean it's literally that many. That just means it's a huge army. You know, any, when God releases judgment, it's, it's a mighty force. So he says, the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000, and I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued, notice here three things, fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three things was the third part of men killed by fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. Now all of that that I just read, though I'm sure there's ministers that have much more insight than I do, I think we just need to get that general idea in the same way you remember those locusts were described in a way that you could picture how frightening they must have been. I believe that's the same point here. He's just giving you a different picture, but it's frightening. It says, uh, and again this is figurative, that out of their mouths was fire and smoke and brimstone, and by these three, uh, a third part of men were killed. Verse 19. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were likened to serpents and had heads. And with them they do hurt. Now in these last two verses is what I want to focus on for the balance of our time. It says they killed the third part of the men. Referring to 
the wicked, those that aren't God's children. A large portion of them were killed, but not a majority. So that's where we're at in these last two verses. And the rest of the men, which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands. Now, let's begin getting acclimated to what I want to emphasize here. A third of these had been killed, yet the ones that weren't killed did not repent of the works of their hands. Now, that's what we're going to see in these last two verses. Wicked people do not repent. They don't feel convicted. They don't feel condemned. And the, the, the lack of understanding this is why people have a misunderstanding about rehabilitating violent criminals. Now, as Brother Chris has said, and I've stated this before, a, a large majority of people in prison are children of God that let their flesh take over in certain situations. But there are wicked men. And you may can quote-unquote rehabilitate and, and truly help children of God that have committed crimes. But when you find someone wicked to the core, and we don't know who's a child of God and who's not, and so by me giving this example, if this is a child of God, but, I don't, but I'm saying he's not, that's not going to keep him from being a child of God, Right? <laughs> But I've seen Charles Manson interviewed several times. I've watched some of those interviews more than once. That man cannot be rehabilitated. He's dead now. He died a few years ago. Everything out of his mouth was just insane. Nothing about it was represented the fear of God. Now, one of those... Three women that you remembered, like him, were sentenced to death, but then due to a change in law, they received life in prison. One of them that died a good many years ago of cancer, when she was interviewed in prison, now she was just in her late teens when he brainwashed them and had them on drugs or whatever was going on that uh, caused them to commit such vile, vicious murders. Yet I've seen one of them interviewed several times when she was older, and she had a calm, quiet, meek spirit. She had been in that, she had been in that prison longer than anybody else, and she was a model prisoner, and she was involved in teaching Bible. Now, again, I don't know who's a child of God and who's not, but we can judge fruit, can't we? I saw her as a teenage girl who got in the wrong crowd and was influenced by who knows what and committed those vile crimes, but getting in an environment where she couldn't be influenced by that and as she got older, it manifests, in my opinion, that that was a child of God. 
Maybe she wasn't regenerated when the crimes were committed. I don't know. But the only point I'm trying to draw from all of this is there are, wick, there, are, there are children of God that have done bad things and there are wicked reprobates that have done bad things and it doesn't bother them. And if you give them an opportunity, they'll keep doing it. That's the difference. So it says in verse 20, the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood which neither can see nor hear nor walk. And notice here's the, the word repented used again. Neither repented they, listen to this, Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. How many times have you heard of a wicked man being released from prison and just go out and do the same thing? You remember Ted Bundy? He escaped after he had been before he'd even been in prison while he was in jail waiting his trial, he escaped and went out and, and brutally raped and or murdered, I believe it was two more women. He went back to doing the exact same thing. Now he wasn't released, but there's plenty of them that have been released. And I believe, I believe just like so many other areas of life, and I think Brother Chris would agree with this, in, like in so many other areas of life, you throw God's word out, confusion is the result. There are judges that don't know what they're doing. They're blind because God has turned the lights out when they reject his word. They have no discernment, no wisdom, and sometimes they're part of the wicked crew and they want to help other wicked men. So see, w wicked people do not repent. Though other wicked men are killed, that doesn't instill fear in them. You know, just think about people in Washington. Think about some of our senators and representatives who are in their 80s still promoting ungodly policies and evidently it doesn't cross their mind that based on my age, I can die at any time. They're not thinking about the future or the afterlife. And I, again, I don't know who's a child of God and who's not, but regardless of how I judge them, that doesn't affect whether they are or not. The Lord knoweth them that are His, but I can judge fruit. And wicked people, they're not concerned about death. They're not concerned about the afterlife. I like what I heard Elder David Crawford say who preached on this book. He said the wicked, they wouldn't even enjoy heaven. He said they don't want to go to hell, but he said they don't want to go to heaven either. They don't want to go to eternal punishment, but they wouldn't get anything out of heaven. I guess the only reason they would prefer it is they wouldn't be going through punishment there like hell. But I'm sh you're like me, I'm sure, that you look at people 
who were near the end of their life, continuing to live ungodly, and we're thinking, is there no fear of God? And the answer is no. That's right. There is no fear of God. And we, hopefully we can't relate to that. I'm thankful I can't relate to that. To the mindset that there's no consequence. Now, for the balance of our time, let's think about this issue of repentance. The wicked do not repent. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10, notice this verse. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Now the first part of that sounds good, doesn't it? Godly sorrow, I hope that's what I have. That is, when I sin and I feel condemned and guilty, that's godly sorrow. And I know you've experienced that too. I've experimented with it too much. How about you? With godly sorrow. Doing what I know is wrong and then the Lord chastening me for it. But he says godly sorrow worketh repentance. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. Now, what we read in Revelation is probably one of the best commentaries on that because, you know, wicked people, they don't want to suffer. They, you know, they don't want to go to prison. But let me give you a couple of Bible examples of the sorrow of this world. And it'll help you understand the difference between true godly repentance and someone that doesn't like the consequences of what they did. There's a big difference. Now, you and I, if we do something wrong and we're prosecuted for it, we don't like the consequences, but I hope... We're all it, coupled with that is that conviction of our sin. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.